0: Next, we're going to stay in Ukraine because uh, we have an exclusive interview with the Ukrainian uh, Security Service, all about how it's using artificial intelligence and drones in this conflict. Here's our security correspondent, Gordon Carr.
1: Alongside trenches and artillery, Ukraine's war has been one of drones and hackers. And that's led Ukraine's Security Service to move its teams to the front lines. Here, they direct a kamikaze drone to strike a camera being used to track Ukrainian troop movements. In an exclusive interview, the man in charge of cyber security and technology for the security service reveals they also hack into
2: Russian cameras to collect intelligence. Using artificial intelligence, we penetrate their surveillance cameras on the occupied territories and we understand the movement of the troops, this information being analyzed, and we understand which type of uh, military uh, and weapons they are about to use on what direction. The security service also uses
1: artificial intelligence to track down those responsible for war crimes, like
2: here in Butcher. We use artificial intelligence as well, facial recognition, yes, so we get the information from, from cameras, from pictures, and then we understand who was exactly guilty in uh, different war crimes conducted by. Russian troops, uh, who was the possible spotter, who was the possible traitor, so this, and this is also a usage of uh, artificial intelligence, and we have thousands of people that we've found exactly who they
1: were. Technology has been at the heart of this conflict from the start. In the opening days of the war, Russian missiles hit Kyiv's main TV tower. Last year, the Russians attacked this tower. They were trying to deprive Ukrainians of access to truthful information and destroy the infrastructure. The missile attack was accompanied by a cyber attack on the same facility. Since then, as Viktor Zora, the man in charge of cyber defence, shows me, the pace of cyber attacks has been relentless. So these are serious incidents here. What is real? high and critical. But it's every day you're... you're basically day. Something's happening. Yeah. You don't have any days off. We don't have days off. It's often said that wars spur on innovation, and this conflict has been no exception. What we've seen here in Ukraine is an incredible pace by which new technologies have been adopted. Nowhere has the pace of innovation been clearer than drones. In a location we've been asked to keep secret, operators are taught not so much how to fly the drones as how to stay alive themselves. Risks are increasing as they move closer to the fighting
2: right now the distance is getting shorter and shorter and shorter because of enemies jamming systems
1: hackers and drone operators are now on the front lines with both sides knowing that technology could give them a vital edge in a hard-fought war gordon carrera bbc news ukraine
0: well let's speak now to dr james rogers senior fellow at uh, cornell tech policy institute thank you very much for coming on the program
1: Thank
0: you for having me. So let's start with this issue of drones and the technological advances there. How significant have they been?
3: Well, they've been pretty fundamental in terms of contributing to the effectiveness of Ukrainian forces. What started as very much a donation of hobbyist drones, of commercial systems, very on early on in that war, as that Russian column made its way towards Kiev, where drones were vital to try and pick out the weak links, the gaps in that column, well, drones have now moved forward to become far more advanced, high-tech systems that move faster, further, and are harder to hack. In fact, Ukraine says it now has one of the largest drone armies on Earth, and it's something that it's seeking to expand and build upon. And what
0: are the kind of advantages? You say it can go further, faster, harder uh, to hack. What, people talk about artificial intelligence quite a lot. We're talking about the facial recognition, things like that. Are these developments that you would have expected?
3: These are developments that we've seen in other high-tech militaries around the world. And so it's no surprise that sadly, the war in Ukraine has become a testbed for deploying these high-tech systems in conflict but they have become vital. As you heard in that last report, there is this fusion of artificial intelligence into drone systems. So drones are the hardware, AI is the software, and you send these drones up into the air with their computer brains on board with their AI vision, and they're pre-programmed to pick out specific targets. And so what happens then is this information is relayed back to the targeteers, to those who are controlling these drones. They're processed through AI as well to pick out important points of intelligence. And it's from that you pick the targets through which you direct your artillery, or you direct the drones that are armed with small mortars, rockets, bombs, improvised devices. In essence, it's that detection through the AI of the drone that makes the precision of the strike happen. Okay, it's- well, I want to
0: Just pick up on exactly that because following that logic, at the moment, clearly, I presume a human being is at the other end deciding yes or no what to strike. But by conclusion of what you're saying, potentially, there could be no human involvement at all.
3: Well, you've touched on a really important point, and sadly, we've already seen this deployed in conflict, not in Ukraine, but in Libya. According to a United Nations report, we have had similar-looking drone systems, these quadcopter tripe drones, specifically a Turkish drone called the Kargu 2, which has the ability to not only pick out a target with its AI vision, but to take that deadly strike. And so you have drone systems, robotic systems, that can take that kill decision, the choice to kill a human being without a human being in the loop of control. And you're exactly right. Sadly, that is the future of war, unless we can put legislation in place to stop it.
0: It's an extraordinarily chilling point to end on. We must leave it there. James Rogers, thank you very much for coming on the programme. Thank you.